0: This is Notoriously Episcopalian. My name is Kelly Hudlow. This is a podcast of sermons and musings all about the Christian faith and especially about being an Episcopalian. This is a sermon offered on the 16th Sunday after Pentecost, September 12th. Twenty Twenty One, at the Episcopal Church of the Messiah in Heflin, Alabama. The principal text for the sermon is James chapter three, verses one through twelve, which includes James's exhortation of the power of words. May I speak in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Yesterday was the the twentieth anniversary of the attacks that happened on September 11th, 2001. And we as a country, as we normally do when we mark sort of major anniversaries, there was um, documentaries on on the TV, people posted and shared their experiences about where they were on the day when they found out or first heard what was going on. And it sort of reminded me that 20 years ago, it was before we had smartphones and things like that and and that I actually listened to what was going on on the radio in my professor's office at the University of South Alabama. We didn't even have a TV um, to see what was happening. And so as people shared different stories and there were different news articles, a story that I remember knowing about um, before this weekend sort of bubbled back up. And that was a story about a man named Michael Judge. Michael was born in 1933 in Brooklyn, New York to Irish immigrants. And after his father's death, Michael took on the job of shining shoes at Penn Station to make money for his family. And it was there, while shining shoes, that he would meet the Franciscan monks that ran a church and lived not very far from Penn Station and that would inspire him to answer the call to religious life. Now, back then, the church worked a little bit differently. Michael began his formation to become a Franciscan monk at the young age of 15. And he spent the next 10 years studying and going to school and being with the brothers. And he would make his full profession of vows, become a full member of the Franciscan order about 10 years later. And then a few years after that, he would be ordained a Catholic priest. And so following his vows as a brother and his ordination as a priest, he served various churches outside of the New York area. But in 1986, he returned back to that church in New York where he had first met the Franciscan brothers when he was shining shoes. And that's where he would serve for the rest of his life. Now that church was right down the street from one of New York's busiest fire stations. And so in 1992, Father Michael was appointed to serve as a chaplain to the NYC Fire Department and would spend a lot of time in this fire station on West 31st Street. He'd go there to eat and talk and spend time, watch baseball games, say prayers with the firefighters, go out on calls and say the Mass for them each week. His friend said that Father Michael loved to be where the action was and never hesitated to go out to when there was an accident or a wreck or a fire or go visit people in hospitals that had been burned or injured to say prayers. So on the morning of September 11th, 2001, Father Michael was dressed in his priestly garb when he heard that a plane had hit the World Trade Center. And so he quickly changed from his regular sort of Roman Catholic priest attire into what he wore when he was going out with the firefighters so he could be marked as a chaplain for the New York City Fire Department and headed towards the World Trade Center with some off-duty firemen. Now when he got there, it was clear that this was nothing that he had ever seen before. And so he began saying prayers for the people that he saw dying, prayers from the people that he saw falling. And somehow, miraculously, there was a documentary crew that was at the World Trade Center that actually captured some of the last moments of Father Michael's life on film. And you can see him looking out a window and his lips moving. And his friends said that they knew that in that moment that he was offering prayers of absolution and forgiveness and love and saying last rites for all those folks that were suffering around him. When the South Tower collapsed, the force shattered the windows in the North Tower where Father Michael was and threw him across the lobby and debris fell on him and his firefighters were going into the North Tower to try to help folks. They actually stumbled over Father Michael and realized who he was. And so they picked him up and put him in a chair and sort of carried him out of the North Tower to a nearby church where they placed him in the front of the altar. He was killed almost instantly when he was thrown across the lobby, and the firefighters had to leave him there and go back to the North Tower. But as they were leaving the North Tower carrying Father Michael, a photographer happened to be there, and he snapped this photograph of Father Michael being carried in a chair surrounded by five or six firefighters, and it became one of those iconic images from that day. Father Michael is considered to be the first person recovered and whose body was released from ground zero, and so his death certificate carries with it the ominous notation at the top, number one. After September 11th, and the days that followed, we saw the power of words to unite us and inspire us and comfort us. We would also see the power of words to sow fear and division and prejudice and hatred. Our passage from the book of James this morning speaks to the power of words. James describes our power to bless and how it can transform the world and also the destruction that can be caused when we use our words to curse people and tear people down. James warns us that our tongues, our words, though they are small, have great power. He points to some of these images that we probably know so well, right? You put a bit in a horse's mouth and you can get the giant animal to go almost anywhere. You use this tiny little rudder to turn a giant ship, and James warns that as small as the tongue is, as inconsequential as words may seem, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. But in the midst of James's warning about how we use our words and how we need to control our tongue is a very potent reminder that the very act of our creation began with God speaking us into being. That the power of words, when uttered from the mouth of God, brought forth light and water and plants and animals and everything in the universe, that God spoke it all into being in a moment and looked at what God created and said, it is good. In Genesis, we see that one of humankind's first assignments was to name all the animals, right? God brought forth the living creatures and brought them to Adam and said, give them a name. And so when we named them horse or cat or dog or elephant or bird, we tamed them. We took responsibility for them all by the power of the words that we spoke. The Gospel of John, of course, reminds us that in the beginning it was the Word of God that moved over the waters and brought forth creation. It was this spoken Word of God that brought us into being and then gave us the gift of speaking words and naming those around us. Again and again, through the Gospels, we see the power of Jesus's words. Right last week in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus says one word: "Ephatha," right, "Be opened." And the deaf, mute man can suddenly hear and speak. Earlier in Mark, Jesus says, Talitha, cum," to the little girl that has died and she rises up. In our passage this morning, we see how it really matters what we call someone. Jesus says, who do people say I am? some say john the baptist some elijah some say a great prophet but it matters that the disciples are able to say no jesus you are the messiah the savior of the world so as god's creation rooted in the words of god spoken into being by language being made in the image of god we are given the awesome power to speak to tell stories To create worlds around us. James asks us, we who are created for good, created by God with the power to offer God's blessing, when we lose control of that power and offer curses or hatred or division, have we lost who we are to begin with? If we are made fig trees but try to bear olives, We are not acting the way that God created us to be. All throughout the book of James, James has said again and again, we have a choice. We can choose the world or we can choose God. We can allow ourselves to be turned around and twisted by the world to bearing wrong fruit, offering curses instead of blessings, of telling stories of hatred and division and destruction, or we who are saved in Christ, can offer up our powers of words and language so that they can be blessings to those around us, to where they can be words that bring forth life and healing, right? This passage about words in James takes us back to chapter 1 that we heard a few weeks ago, right? Where James started out saying we should be quick to listen and slow to speak. And that we should welcome with meekness the implanted word of God that has the power to save our souls. It is that time to listen that I think is most crucial to bridling the power of the tongue. Because when we are careful with our speech, when we take a beat and remember that we are created for good, then we open ourselves and our words up to the mystery of God to encounter the power that it is to save Father Michael was buried four days after September 11th. Over 3,000 people attended this Franciscan friar's funeral. Republicans, Democrats, rich people, poor people, all sorts of folks crowded into this church for his funeral. And as a Franciscan, he was required at some point to fill out a form of what he wanted to happen after he died who he wanted to give the homily, where he wanted to have the service, what hymns he wanted to sing. And he had picked his friend, Father Michael Duffy, to give the homily. When his friend found out about it, he did not feel particularly equipped to meet the moment. Surely there was somebody more important than himself that should give this sermon at Father Michael's funeral. But he was advised, Father Michael wanted you. And so you need to be the one that does it. So, Father Duffy, Michael Duffy, got up there and told the story of his friend, Father Michael, and told how Father Michael loved blessing people, like, loved taking his big Irish hands and would put them on someone's head and say a blessing or when he would meet a woman who was pregnant he would ask can I say a blessing for your baby and he would put his hands on the the woman's stomach or he would grab people's hands when they were in crisis and lead them in prayer and offer blessings or he would come onto the bus before the kids at school would go on a field trip and say a blessing for their safe return that no matter where Michael was or who was in front of him he was always ready to say a word of blessing over those that were around him. People that talked and knew Father Michael talked about how everybody thought Father Michael was their best friend. That Michael would write little notes to people. Just one or two sentences about something that he had seen them do or something that he knew or wanted to share and he would give them to them and people would write Father Michael back so he carried this satchel that was filled with letters that he needed to respond to, and he would sit down and write back to people. And so these thousands of people that gathered for his funeral gathered because they all came because their friend, Father Michael, had died. And all of them shared stories about his booming voice and what it was like to have Father Michael say prayers for you, One woman describing Father Michael praying for her husband in the hospital and that she just knew when Michael was speaking that God was listening. Now, Michael was surrounded by friends, but his life was not easy. He struggled with addiction. He was in recovery for many years. He took unpopular stances in the church. He ministered to those that are often deemed unworthy, the poor, the homeless, folks living with HIV AIDS. He was at odds with the church over their treatment of people of color and of LGBTQ persons, and he challenged the church to constantly be open to considering what it looked like to draw the circle just a little bit wider. Michael was a friend to everyone, always ready to offer a blessing, and even in death, Father Michael's friend imagined that Michael, who had spent so much of his career walking up to the edge of death with people, now that he had died, was waiting for them just on the other side to again say a word of blessing and welcome to them coming into God's presence. Father Michael, I think, is a lived example of a follower of Jesus that offered up his life and his very words to God to be transformed so that he could be a blessing to those that were around him. Michael, Father Michael, carried with him a prayer that he said every morning. But I want to close with you because I think his prayer is a result of his lived experience of offering himself over again and again to the service of God and offering his life and his words over and over to be a blessing to those around him to bear fruit that we were created for. So this is Father Michael's prayer. Lord, take me where you want me to go. Let me meet who you want me to meet. Tell me what you want me to say. And keep me out of your way. Amen.